As we move closer to Christmas, I am once again humbled to open God's Word with you. Last week, we began our short Christmas series where we are looking at the three most important ingredients of Christmas, faith, hope, and love. Last week, we looked at the importance of faith in the story of Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds. We read through Luke 2, 8 through 18, and discovered that the faith of the shepherds allowed them to see, to hear, to go, and to do. This morning, we're going to open Matthew's gospel and discover how hope drove a group of men to seek the heavens and follow a star on a journey across the land to celebrate the birth of a newborn king. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, that we can come before you, especially in this season, Lord. Our hearts want to be expectant as the shepherd's heart was expectant, as the magi's heart was expectant, Lord. Let us have an expectant heart to see you move in a powerful way. Father, I ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear. And Father, as we dig into your word, as we open and we speak about these wise men from the east, and Lord, let us see what made them wise. They were wise, Lord, because they believed in you. They believed your word, and they sought to see what you were doing. And so, Father, do what only you are capable of doing, and that is that hearts would be softened, and that we could hear from you. Father, there is nothing that I have to offer this morning. Think about that song that was sung this morning. There is nothing, Jesus, that I can offer you other than my life. You don't owe me anything, but all I can offer you is my life, my surrender. And so, Father, let that be our heart this morning. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for what you have already accomplished. You have done enough, and yet you are a God who continues to pour out yourself upon your children. And so, Father, we just stand here in a place of receiving you this morning. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Since I am uh, keenly aware that I am the one who is literally standing between you and this really delicious meal that we are all smelling, I am going to do my best to jump right into this and we're going to shorten the message. It's going to be short and sweet, but it is going to be powerful. So let's take some time to think about and talk about the Magi these wise men whose sudden appearance and then just as sudden disappearance from the pages of Scripture show us the true definition of biblical hope. So if we're going to talk about hope, let's talk about what hope means. Or perhaps we're going to start with what hope is not. Hope is not wishful thinking. It is not, I wish it would snow on Christmas, I hope my kid makes the soccer team, or I hope that the giants don't suck again. Hope, as it is defined in biblical terms, is a confident expectation. Hope is a firm assurance that even though things may be unclear and unknown, they can be trusted. Last week, we spoke about faith, which is a partner of hope. I like to think of them as two sides of the same coin. As a reminder, faith is a complete trust or a complete confidence. 
Faith involves our intellectual assent to a set of facts and trust in those facts. For example, we have faith in Jesus Christ. This means we completely trust Jesus for our eternal destiny. We give intellectual assent. We truly believe to the facts of his substitutionary death and his bodily resurrection. And we then trust in his death and resurrection for our salvation. Biblical hope is built on faith. Hope is the earnest anticipation that comes with faith. Hope is our confident expectation that naturally stems from that faith. Hope hope is a peaceful assurance that something that hasn't yet happened will indeed happen. Hope must not involve something that is as must involve something that is as yet unseen, as we read in Romans 8:24. Now hope hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is what he sees? Jesus' return is our blessed hope, as Titus 2.13 says. We can't see him yet, but we know that he is coming, and we anticipate that event with great joy. By faith, we trust Jesus' words, and that leads to hope that we will one day be with him forever. Biblical hope is anchored in the past. Jesus rose from the dead. It continues in the present because Jesus is alive. And it endures throughout the future, Jesus' promised return to bring eternal resurrection life. With this understanding of biblical hope, let's get into our scriptures for today, which is Matthew 2, 1 through 11. I'll read this to you. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw this child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Hope had revealed an extraordinary event in the sky, which compelled an extraordinary group of men to make an extraordinary journey so they could seek remember, listen, see, and believe all the extraordinary things that had been told to them. So let's take a look at the first of these things as we speak about hope, and that is the hope to seek. We see this in verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? 
for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. A few years ago, a movie came out called The Star of Bethlehem by attorney Frederick Larson. It is a fascinating scientific exploration of the star that the Magi followed to Bethlehem. The movie seeks to answer the question as to whether that was a true astronomical event that aligned with Scripture and could be proven scientifically. I would encourage you to find time to watch it. It's available for rent on Amazon, and if you want to put up with the ads, it's available on YouTube. For several years, I tried to make it a Christmas tradition for the family to gather to watch this movie. I thought it would encourage us to remember that this biblical narrative was a real historical event that could be proven. Well, I would say for at least the first year, everyone remained on the couch for the entirety of the movie. I can't say that everybody remained awake. By the time I pulled out the DVD for year two, I realized the hope of making this a family tradition wasn't exactly going to work. Nonetheless, I find this movie fascinating, and perhaps you will as well. What this movie concludes is that the biblical account of the star that led the wise men to Bethlehem was a real astronomical event. Not an astrological event, but an astronomical event seen in the movement of the stars in the sky. These men saw a real event in the sky that drove them to pack up their belongings and make the arduous journey across mountain and through valleys, trudging through rain and cold, burning sun and stinging wind, day upon day, week upon week. They saw something in the sky that propelled them to action, They looked to the sky with hope, the confident expectation that something was coming. And so I want to ask you a question this morning as I ask myself the same one. Do we have the hope to seek? The confident expectation that God is going to bring his promises to pass. The experience in God's study that we have been challenging has been challenging us certainly in this regard. Are we seeking to know where God is at work so that we can join him there? These men were called wise because they had the faith to trust and the hope to know that one day what God had promised would be made known. How about us? What is it that we seek this Christmas? Where is our confident expectation? What do you hope for? What is it that would make my Christmas wonderful and satisfying? My wife likes snow. All the family together and happy, perhaps, for you. A feeling that we define as the holiday spirit, or finding the right present to give, or getting that present that we wanted. The problem with all of this is that it can leave us disappointed. The problem's not Christmas in this regard. It's our expectations, We're seeking the wrong thing. The Magi show us how to increase our level of hope in Christmas and all the time by looking for the right thing. Well, what was it that they were looking for? Verse 2 tells us this clearly. They came to Jerusalem and said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They were looking for Jesus. Christmas for them was an opportunity to worship the Christ. If our hope this Christmas is to seek Jesus, then I seriously doubt that we will be dissatisfied. 
So the Magi had the hope to seek. And now we will talk about them having the hope to remember. We see this in verses 3 through 6. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Far from you shall come the ruler who, is shepherd my, who will shepherd my people Israel. This part of the narrative absolutely fascinates me. When Herod and all of Jerusalem heard that the wise men from the east were seeking the king of the Jews, they were troubled. Why would they be troubled? I understand maybe King Herod thought that his authority would be questioned and therefore a new king would mean trouble for him. But why all of Jerusalem? Shouldn't they, like the Magi, have the hope to seek the coming of the Messiah? And yet, they didn't. They had forgotten what God had promised, so they didn't have the hope to remember. And what was it that they needed to remember in the first place? They needed to remember the promise of God as given by the prophet Micah in Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. The question arises, how would Persian magi, wise men, know about the Jewish Messiah to even begin with? Well, undoubtedly, they would have been exposed to the writings of the Jewish prophet Daniel, who had been the chief of the court seers in Persia. Daniel 9, 24 through 27 is a prophecy that gives a timeline for the birth of the Messiah. And also, they may have been aware of the words of the pagan prophet Balaam, who lived near Persia, as his words are recorded in Numbers 24, 24, 17, which specifically mentions a star and a scepter rising out of Jacob. But I want to put this into context for us. The book of Numbers was written some 1,400 years before the birth of Christ. Micah lived 700 years before Jesus' first coming, and Daniel's captivity in Babylon was more than 600 years before Christ. So these wise men for the East not only remembered, but they had a very long memory. Remember that hope is a confident expectation, a a confident assurance that something that hasn't yet happened will indeed happen. So their hope endured from generation to generation that God was going to do something miraculous. And the focus of their hope was to remember that God always accomplishes what God sets out to do, even if we must wait sometimes a very long time. The Magi remembered God's promises of a Savior. And so I want to ask, what is it that you remember about God's promises? Do you have the hope, the confident assurance that God will accomplish all that he set out to do in your life? Will you be like the Magi, seeking and remembering? Or will you be like the rest of Jerusalem, so caught up in the distractions before you 
that you miss that God is on the move. We have seen the hope of seeking, the hope of remembering, and now we move to the hope of listening. We see this in verses 7 through 9a. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. The Magi had been summoned to Herod to tell them what they had seen. And they listened to the king. I find this amazing. The scripture doesn't say that they heard what the king had to say. It doesn't say that they agreed with him or that they were willing to conspire with him. It is clear that they understood what he was saying. Herod wasn't interested in worshiping anyone. He wanted to find this baby and kill him to ensure that the Jews wouldn't cause an uprising. The hope filled in their journey allowed them to actually listen to what Herod was saying, what Herod's heart revealed about his true intentions, not the words that came forth from his lips. For us, when our hope is found in Christ alone, we can actually listen to what God is speaking to us. 1 Kings 19 describes God speaking as a still, small voice with the sound of a low whisper. Can you hear it? Are you listening for it? Are we interested in listening to one another? If our hope isn't found in listening to Jesus, then all we will listen to is the Herods of the world. So we have moved from seeking to remembering to listening, and now we go to the hope to see. We see this in verses 9b and 10. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After leaving Herod's presence, the star that had led them to Jerusalem has once again appeared, leading them to Bethlehem. Their hope allowed them to see the star once again appear, guiding them to that place that Jesus was. It's clear from the prior passage that the chief priests and scribes knew of the prophecy of where to find this newborn king. They should have been able likewise to see the star and follow it to Jesus, but they didn't. Doesn't that strike you as odd? Why didn't Herod just send out his own people to find the baby? We aren't given any real clear explanations, but I'm going to surmise that while they knew the prophecy, their hearts were hardened to the truth of what God was really up to. They had no hope to seek, no hope to remember, no hope to listen, so they certainly didn't have the hope to see. But the Magi didn't just have the hope to see, they knew where to look we learn from the Magi that there are wrong and right places to look. They started by looking in the wrong place. They looked where their own human reasoning said that they should look. The star had indicated the birth of a new king in Israel, so the Magi went to where kings should be born, to the palace of Herod in the great 
capital of Jerusalem. Too often we are tempted to look for hope in the wrong places. We take our eyes off of Jesus and we become disappointed, disillusioned, angry, and resentful. The Magi refocused and they looked in the right place when they looked to God and His Word. We have hope when we see what God is up to. When the Magi saw that the star had come to rest over the house where Jesus was, the Bible says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They didn't just rejoice, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. How does that strike you? When was the last time that you rejoiced exceedingly with great joy? I don't know about you, but I really want to be able to rejoice in this way, certainly more than I've been able to recently. We have the hope to seek, hope to remember, hope to listen, hope to see. Now we come to our final scripture for today as the Magi had the hope to believe. We see this in verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They fell down and they worshiped him. These wise men who were expectant and seeking, remembering and holding on to what they were told, listening for God's direction and seeing where he was leading them, have come to their journey's end. And what do they do? Do they introduce themselves? Do they share how long and arduous the journey has been? Do they tell them how much this has cost for them to come all of this way? They even ask for a drink of water. They fall down and they worship Jesus. This whole trip, the purpose of this prophecy beginning some 1,400 years before this moment in the book of Numbers, the detail given by Micah 700 years before, and the timeline prophesied by Daniel 600 years earlier, all concluded in this moment for these wise men. And their response was truly the only proper response. Fall down and worship Christ. And when they were able to lift themselves off the ground, they gave good gifts worthy of a good God. The Magi came to Jesus' house bearing the gifts that were entirely appropriate. They gave gold, a gift for a king. By giving it, they acknowledged that Jesus was and is the king. They gave frankincense, which is used in the worship of God. And Jesus is God made flesh, as the Gospel of John tells us. We find incense used to worship God in the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. And then they gave myrrh, the gift for the dead. This was a fragrant, fragrant ointment used to anoint a body before burial. By giving it, they acknowledged that Jesus had come to die for the sins of the world. As we move to Christmas, we ought to think about giving appropriate gifts this Christmas as well. 
And I'm not talking about material gifts. I'm talking about the more important things. We ought to give the gift of our love and kindness to our friends and to our family. We ought to give the gift of our help to those who are hurting and in need. We ought to give the gift of forgiveness to those who have hurt us. Giving these kinds of gifts will result in a joyful and meaningful Christmas that is full of hope. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that our hope is found in you, Lord. That our faith, our trust in you drives us to the place of that confident expectation that you are going to accomplish only what you can do. That is in our lives, that is in our families, that is in your creation, Lord, and we trust in that. Father, let us find a greater measure of hope this Christmas season. Let us look with hope upon what is happening in our homes, in our church, in our community, and in this world, Lord. Let us not be anxious for anything. Lord, there are so many distractions. There are so many things, and we do not want to be like Herod and the others in Jerusalem who missed what you were doing. Too wrapped up in their own lives, having forgotten about what it is that you have promised. Your promises are true, and you are a good, a gracious, and a loving God who continues to pour out your love upon your children. And so, Father, as we continue this week towards Christmas, I ask that all the distractions of the world would fall, and that, Father, we would be like those great wise men who, after a long, arduous journey, fell and worshipped King Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you once again. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor for you and you alone are worthy. And we ask you these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.